All right, I'm here with Mason Bendewald. He is the founder of Mega, Mega Mace Fitness. He's got over 20 years of building top fitness companies and coaching trainers to become on fitness camera stars such as P90X, The Daily Burn, and much, much more. Mason, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, I'm excited to get into some things with you because, you know, you have been around some of the best and the best in the fitness industry. And, you know, a lot of my listeners are into health and alternative wellness, but I have a lot of coaches that listen to the show too. And including myself, we're trying to be better. I mean, we live in this world. I mean, let's face it, the pandemic, you know, did a lot of crazy things. And so we live in this more virtual world. And even and something we'll probably even get into. I didn't even realize I have friends that go to gyms, but now you go to gyms and there's a lot of gyms you just kind of like check into and there's nobody even there. So it seems like even people are moving away from some of these gyms. And so we definitely are going to dive into those things and kind of what can we prepare ourselves for the future. But I'm curious, like, how did you get started in this career? Um, And like, did you always know you wanted to do something in the fitness industry or just working with, um, you know, I don't want to say Hollywood stars, but just working on film? Like, was that something you always passionate about? Uh, Certainly not. Fitness was not something that I don't think any, I mean, maybe today, but uh, back when, well, I'll go all the way back. I went to the high school performing arts in New York City, and I was uh, an actor and a dancer. I loved theater and realized it's very hard to make a living there. But I also had all these other skills that most actors don't, which was seeing the big picture, organizing. I did a lot of stage managing, started to produce, and went to film school ultimately and I was in Philadelphia and realized that, you know, the, the bigger market was in Los Angeles <clears throat> and right around the time I was getting ready to move, I got this opportunity from a little startup company called Beachbody to direct an infomercial and it was for a fitness video. And back then when it was just strictly TV, all these all of these infomercials, everything's pretty much too good to be true. But I, I knew Carl, who was the CEO, and liked him and trusted him. And long story short, I ended up taking this job to make an infomercial. He loved my idea. But I really had just such a high standard of ethics that I was like, but I'm going to do the product myself to make sure it works because I really want to believe and trust in it. And Lo and behold, Joel, if you are, if you have a good diet and you are active consistently following a workout, you're going to get in good shape. So it worked. And then the next opportunity uh, was P90X. But I, I still was not like my dream was to, you know, be a great filmmaker and make narrative films. But I didn't really have. I was just. I was just struggling to get my company off the ground. I didn't really had that. That's a much, much bigger dream. And so I was just, how, how do I make a living? How do I, how do I create some sort of revenue within a production? And so any job I got, I took, um, but I do say partly as a joke, but, it's, but it's true. The idea of doing fitness videos as production back then, I was like, I, I don't care about fitness. You know, you're kind of naturally in good shape when you're still in your 20s and 30s. You don't need to think about it. And the the pastel, perfect um, Jane Fonda of the time workouts to me were just 
nothing against Jane Fonda. She's amazing. But I yeah. really didn't like the workout videos. And so when P90X came along, um, I was like, God, I really don't want to do fitness. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do everything differently. And just because it was a new company and Carl had said, the CEO, hey, this is going to be completely different type of workout. Like nobody's seen it before. And I just took that as a a great, okay, good. Then it's easy for me to say, I'm going to do everything differently. And as they say, the rest is history. That's amazing. Now, don't you think now looking back though, that mm. it actually might've been such a great trait of yours that you actually didn't like fitness, could care less about it. And maybe even selfishly you wanted to do something different you're like if i were to like if i were to create a fitness video or, or whatever i yeah. would do this to attract someone like me because yeah. i always notice it's like the people that are not ensconced maybe in the actual industry or trained to be like think the way a fitness guy would think they actually do many disruptive things and a lot of times can make it better did that kind of fold for you as yeah, well you, you nailed it i um I'll go back a second. When I was in Philadelphia, <clears throat> I produced a film as so I was just getting started. And it was like shot on film. It was very hard to make a film back then. It took a lot of work, took money. Um, and we got rejected from the local big film festival, which was the only way to get seen at the time. And that just drove me insane. I was like, this is a great film. We're local filmmakers and we're rejected. So I quickly said, I, I'm not, not going to take this laying down. And I created my own film festival, which I sat around the table with, and I'd never done a film festival, but it's just, at least to me, it was like just organizing and marketing enough to get people interested. So I sat around with my director of photography, who's my business partner, and the director of the film, and told them my idea. And then I, and then I threw out some names. And one of my names was, I said, maybe we call it the Reject Film Fest. And both guys looked up, they're like, whoa, 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 absolutely not. That, and I go, well, why not? And they go, because it's, I don't know, it sounds the, the, and I go, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> and it took off. It, uh, I was on the, we were, we were on the cover of the Philadelphia Inquirer. I was interviewed on NPR. We were I mean, it was, it just, it exploded because it was so different and gutsy. And so that and many other lessons have all, you know, Apple had a great campaign. Uh, this was, I think, back in the 80s or early 90s, but it was Think Different. And I love that. And that's what I always encourage my trainers to do or anybody else, including myself. I'm constantly learning and I go, I've got to do it differently. That's what captures people's imagination and attention. And P90X, the idea behind what I did production-wise was to go, yeah, you know, in the Jane Fondas of the era, everything was perfect. And I said, I don't – that doesn't resonate with me. I want to see – if this is supposed to be hard – we're not taking breaks. We're going straight through. And if somebody fails on camera, that's part of the story. If there's a bit of a blooper, that's going to be part of the fun. I created storylines and characters because I hired real people that had been through the program versus 
fitness models, which was pretty much the standard. Yeah. Uh, people who are like naturally fit or only in their 20s or whatever it was. And I was like, no, this is going to be real and this is going to be gritty and we're going to break the third wall and I'm creating a set that feels more like you would want it to feel for that product. And it captured people's imagination, not just good workouts. Because I like to say a push-up is a push-up. Joel, you don't, I'm not going to teach you how to do a push-up. I don't care which position your hands are, your elbows. What, like, it's like buckling a seatbelt. You, know? yeah. you get on a plane, somebody says, hey, can we get your attention, please? Make sure you're sa- – you know, nobody pays attention because they know. And it's the same yeah. thing with the push-up. So if you're a trainer or you're making videos, you have to capture people's imagination by doing it differently. So it's not the push-up that is the thing. It is the entertainment value to get somebody to keep showing up because then it almost becomes – the results become a byproduct of me enjoying being with you. And that, that's what P90X did. That's how I – I mean the Reject Film Festival was just another film festival, but I did – I captured – the name captured people's attention. And then there was little things like you had to have a rejection letter from another festival to even enter our festival. And we brought in John Waters. So it was a lot of fun. It was like people celebrated this idea of being misunderstood, rejected. And there's and all of us can tap into that because everybody's been rejected or misunderstood. So that was fun. P90X was fun. I encourage people to think differently and not do what every other trainer does and not do – I've had – Tons of clients who've come to me and said, we want to do, we want to do the next P90X. And I go, no, you, you can't do the next P90X. That's done. That's, that's its thing. It's branded. It's great. Do the next thing. Come up with something different. People say, we want to be Peloton. That's ridiculous. Peloton did a whole bunch of things that nobody else can do at the same time and so on. So you have to always reinvent, take what you know what nobody else has and put that forward. And that, that's where you find success in my I love experience. that. That's amazing. Uh, you know, it's funny too, because just like you said, things not being perfect. And even right now we're seeing just in like the TikTok and Instagram world, a lot of people just doing, you know, iPhone videos. It's kind of clunky. Uh-huh. It's kind of messy. People are enjoying those more than these super produced videos. And even, sure. when, you know, you're running yeah. ads and stuff. They say, just do your iPhone because it just looks more, you more, look more like a real person, which is funny. Mm. Um, you know, the other thing too, as I was thinking, you're saying do something different. And I, and I do follow some of the trends in the fitness industry. And again, on like Instagram or TikTok, I'm seeing these guys doing the most ridiculous, like an ab workout. I'm like, you don't do that in real life, dude. Like, I'm uh-huh. sorry. Like, they're doing things like um, – and they're doing it to get looks, right? Because I'm stopping the scroll and I'm looking. But, I mean, the ab workouts are so ridiculous. It's like, you know, I don't know, doing a decline – like on a decline bench, holding uh, an Olympic bar while you're doing a crunch. Or um, they're doing like a hanging leg raise and they're throwing a medicine ball with their feet. I'm like, it's a cool acrobatic stunt and it's like neat. And it stopped the scroll, but I'm like, you're not really doing that to develop your apps. Let's be realistic. But, but so but I don't know, some that, of it. But to that point, it's entertainment. Like it's, it's entertainment. capturing your imagination. Totally. And right, is it, it, it's, there's, you know, to work out your core, to work out your abs, there's, there's a limited or there's an unlimited amount of 
different things you can do, but it's all ultimately you're doing the same thing. You're trying to strengthen your core. And if you can, I I think the best way to capture people's imagination, because I think to your point is maybe those are awkward and you're not going to be doing that all the time. It, but it did stop you from scrolling. It's entertaining. Look cool. For me, it's entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. I'll never but if do you're, that, and I'm and I know those guys aren't doing it either. But right. they're showing off some. It, it's an entertainment. Um, their physique and their acro, um, their athleticism. Really, it's like not the average person really can't do that. Even high end people, high 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 level athletes, right. are not going to be able to do some of those things. So it's it's cool. So that's more sensational. If you're a trainer trying to capture somebody's attention, uh, we didn't dis- you and I didn't discuss this beforehand, but. One of the big things I talk about is if you're doing a full workout, you know, anywhere from 10 to 40 or 50 minutes, learning how to weave in stories and talk about things other than fitness is really where most trainers lack understanding of that completely. And I, the easiest way in our short time together here to illustrate that is. Think about any any cooking show you've ever seen. The, the Food Network, at its core, is entertainment. They tell stories. Their personalities interacting. You become fond of them. And that is why you, you tune in. People don't tune into the Food Network and go, okay, I need to learn how to make the best Eggs Benedict ever. They're just kind of randomly turning it on and watching shows. If you, if you want to... F- Figure out how to make the best egg Benedict. You usually go to the internet and type it in. But totally. when you watch the Food Network, you're being entertained. You might get ideas. You might go cook some of those things. But it's not just, okay, take two eggs, crack them in a skillet, do this, do that. Okay, enjoy. It's, oh, man, when I was, I, you know, I grew up in New York City, and we used to, on Sunday mornings, go down to the Pink Teacup Cafe, and they made the best hollandaise sauce. And One day I went in, and I asked the chef, how did he make it? And lo and behold, he added this one little secret ingredient. He was originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. And so there's a story behind it. And like all of a sudden your imagination's turned on. Same, same thing with fitness and very few trainers understand it and know how to do it. But when I work with them, it's one of the big things we work on besides capturing an audience by looking into the lens and understanding how to talk to one person We can talk about some of those, but the big one is learning how to weave in stories and not just say, engage your core, feel the burn. This has got like, that's the worst thing you can say, in my opinion, today, because everybody says it and you just tune it out. Totally makes sense. I love that. And you know, we actually didn't talk about why you're here and what your mission is. Uh, and I want to yeah. just backtrack really quick and then let's get into some of those tactical things that you're talking about. But you know, you're on, you, you've done this amazing work with P90X. You've done this amazing work with daily burn and many, many other folks like Bob Harper from the biggest loser. I, I'm just curious, like now you're on this path to help other trainers master being in front of the camera. Why? Like, why is that? Why, why have you transitioned to that? Why is that important? The simplest is I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm great at it, and I really love helping trainers. Uh, If I had – I love directing. That would be like my first, first love. And then my second love is really helping trainers unlock their potential, uh, just 
blossom on camera and harness the the power of being a, a great on camera personality. If if you're a group X trainer and you have people, you have a line, you would think you're going to be great in front of the camera, and you it, the they are not a translatable skill automatically. It's very very different. It's like saying uh, somebody who's great movie actor would be great on stage there while some of the skills innately are the same understanding acting the technical aspects are vastly different so just quickly group x you have the energy of the audience and feedback from them and most people forget this you have the great ability to curate a playlist of you know, Harry Styles and Beyonce, which you cannot do on camera. And those, those two elements, your audience and a great playlist, make a completely different energy that you're playing off of as a trainer versus I'm talking to a piece of glass and I really should be talking to one person to reach a lot more than what I could fit into a room but I have to bring in a different type of energy because I also don't have a playlist playing. So the, there's a whole bunch of techniques and skills that you have to learn so that you don't just go, oh my God, I suck on camera because that's what it feels like going from, going from this all this energy in a room with people or even just being a one-on-one trainer on the floor, you still have the energy of music and people walking around and then being able to talk and get feedback from one person, and you can't do that online. So I love helping trainers discover and unlock all the secrets to taking their talents in a gym and translating them to camera. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, even for me, I love to educate. I love to train and teach people stuff. But guess what? And I could be good on camera, but I also maybe I, I don't weave the story in or I don't do like some of those little things. And it's just that my brain doesn't think that way. And then yeah. I will get feedback from people like yourself and others and they'll be saying, dude, why didn't you do this? And, why, and it's like it's exhausting. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah. I don't want to do all that stuff like you do it for me. Right. Or you <laughs> make those little edits and you do that stuff. But so it's really interesting to hear like. Yeah, there's a time – yes, the, you might be saying a great message, Joel. The education might be amazing, but it doesn't matter if it's not landing for people because they're, it's not stopping the scroll. It's not, you know, it's not engaging them enough. So it's really, it's really powerful what you're saying. I'm curious, you know, yeah. is there – you've listed a couple of things, and is there, is there a top thing that you see people do that is just <laughs> – like they're just getting it wrong every time. Like it's like the most common mistake on, on camera. Yeah, there's um, and for your listeners who are trainers who are on camera, forgive me because I'm about to say something that you're most likely guilty of. Is almost every trainer says, "Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, everybody?" Though that that is the worst thing you can do. I I don't even like it when um, podcast hosts do it because. You are, you are talking to an audience of one, and most people just don't think about that. You're not talking to a group in a room. I'm at home listening to your podcast, Joel. So as soon as you say, what's up, everybody, it's so subtle, but I just go, oh, he's not, it, you know, I can take it or leave it. 
But if he, but if you start off by saying, just eliminate either one of those pronouns and just say, I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to talk about, and you don't talk like it's this huge group. There's an intimacy that just immediately drops and I go, oh, I'm a little more invested. You couple that with a little bit of a personal story. Before before we get into today's topic, I just got to tell you, boy, I got two kids at home and you tell a little story that somehow weaves it together and I go, oh man, Joel's my buddy. He's He's sharing something personal. It's not just talking at me like a professor. It's it's a trust that's built. And so that's the biggest thing. So if I just to replay that, saying what's up guys or what's up everybody is one of the quickest ways to put yourself into a, a category of this is what everybody says. You should come up with your own opening. Ideally, it, it has to do with who you are, what your brand is, or, or more importantly, like where you're from. I, I'll, I'll often say to a trainer, and they're like, well, what am I supposed to say? I said, well, I just want you to say something different than what everybody else says. And I will often ask, how did you used to, and I'll ask you, Joel, how did you used to, growing up in Northern California, how did you greet your friends? Were you a skateboarder or a surfer or anything like that when you were young? It's funny. No, I, I wasn't a I wasn't either of those. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. In, like, in what was your thing life. as a kid? What was your thing? What did you do? I played baseball. I played a lot of baseball. Of course, I played video games and stuff like Nintendo and all that stuff. So, what um, what's something you would say to one of your teammates? Like, how would you how how would you greet them? I probably, hey man, hey dude. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So even even that is very different from just what's up, everybody. So hey, man, this is Joel. We're here. Like that alone is different because not people don't say hey, man. Um, I don't like questions either because if you're talking, you're presenting. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, everybody? That's again. There's there's a double wrong in there for me. Everybody and what's up? You're not asking me what's up. That's like a throw. So come up with something better. We. When I was uh, a kid growing up in New York City, uh, we'd say "yo" a lot. Yes. "Yo," my cousin's how's it going? from the East Coast, and he talks. Or, yo, to me, hey, yo, hey yo, hey yo. So even though, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna break the rule a little bit, which is okay. So "yo sup" was a greeting that we would have. So it, that's that's truncated from. Yeah, like how are you doing? What's going on? That would be the long version of "yo sup." Yes, but I'm okay with that because it's so unique. Because nobody, I don't have any trainer who starts the show going, "Yo, sup? My name's Mason. I'm from New York, and here we're gonna have a great workout. You and I are gonna sweat a storm. But first, I'm gonna tell you about my skateboard accident I had earlier today, or I'm gonna tell you about that during the workout. So right away, there's something a little different about that opening, which makes you. A bit of a character, it makes you more identifiable. It it just breaks you away from the pack. So anybody listening, just think about what how you used to greet your friends as a kid and be okay with being different. Be okay with it being a little uncomfortable and unusual. And maybe it doesn't work. Maybe you don't doesn't feel natural. Try something else. But it's better than doing what everybody else does. Nobody, nobody ever wins doing that. Ever. 
because you are destined to be um, just like everybody else. We all do it because it feels more comfortable because it's not risky because I don't want anybody pointing fingers or laughing. Well, the best thing you can do is have somebody laugh uh, and repeat or point a finger. (laughs) That's how you succeed as a personality, particularly online. You want to be different. You want to do things that are memorable. Um, I like to point out Richard Simmons. Do you know who he is, Joel? Yes, believe it so or not. Uh, I just turned 40, so I do know. I, do, I don't think I ever jammed out to Richard, but I, I know who he is. So what you just said is what 99% of people will say. I, and you're way too young to really even almost even know him. You're, you're 40. I'm 55. Richard Simmons is I, – I think he's in his – mid late 60s maybe older like he's he was in the jane fonda era yeah and what is it you remember about him tell me his uh, no doubt about it his his outfit his outfit and then his like his outfit outfit? describe it for us oh i think he would if i remember correctly he had these really high shorts and they were like usually i want to say it was like red white and blue like it was striped yeah 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 very patriotic tank top and he was Uh always glistening and sweaty and yeah. he had the ridiculous curly hair, and he had yeah. a high pitched voice, and he yeah. was, you know, and he's like, and what was his, I, and what was his personality? Was he kind of like laid back? He was high energy, but very. Um, I almost felt like maybe annoyingly high energy. Like I'm high yeah. energy, but yeah. he was almost like. If I had to look at it now, I might even think like it was fake, like it was kind of. But he, I think he genuinely cared. So that was actually who he was. It because he was always doing it. So I don't think he was faking. That's the that is that is. I mean, you're nailing it all. And and so, if you're listening to this, the lesson here, and I've never worked with him, and I've never done one of his workouts, and that's what Joel's saying. But yet we know him because he was such a strong standout personality. He was very much himself, incredibly flamboyant, incredibly flamboyant, emotional. And, and he – I remember him on talk shows all the time where um, kind of like uh, – well, like any guest that's very hyper, the, the interviewer would often kind of feel a little uncomfortable or try to calm him down, and he did not stop. He was, he was 100% himself and – incredibly successful and famous by being himself wearing the high shorts. I don't think that was an act. That's what he was comfortable wearing. Never changed his outfit. Like he was just, if anything, they got higher, high, big, big socks. You know, the eighties was long gone. He was still dressing that way and nobody replicated who he was, what his energy was. And that's a point. Tony Horton, the P90X star, also, very specific. Um, working with him was a challenge and fun because he also had this like just desire to want to perform and uh, entertain people. So that was great for me because I could harness that. He was like a loose cannon otherwise. But I harness it and work with him and give him things so that he could be uh, focused. And you know, he's become he became very famous because of. P90X, his energy, his personality, and he was very goofy. So it was a lot of trainers alike. And, and he was very, he's very proud of his physique. So these two worked well together because they were contradictions, which mostly you don't see. Usually you see a big, fit, tough guy, and you think, oh, 
He's X, Y, and Z. Um, same thing, like if you see a, a model, you think, oh, that person's like this. As soon as you break that mold, so Tony, who is like, you know, ripped, but such a goofball. It, it broke the mold. It also made you feel not intimidated by him. So you were more trusting because he was making fun of a lot of things, including himself. And yeah. uh, it, it makes for entertainment. And that's the point of Richard Simmons. Great entertainer first. He happened to do fitness. That's how I look at it. And, and he got a lot of people in shape because of it. That is amazing. I am guilty of saying, "Hey guys, <laughs> what's up?" Guys? Yeah, everybody does. Uh, I'm totally. I, I am totally. You're gonna come up with something that. new. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that. You know, my wife has been harping me on that, and uh, it's funny. Really? I was just around another. Yeah, and she's gonna. I hope she doesn't listen to this episode because she's gonna say, "I." You see, you could have hired me five <laughs> years ago. I could have told you all of this for free, uh, but yet you have to go learn from. She's like, "Go ahead, go pay all your other people, the influence, the go to, go pay the Masons, uh, you know, Bendewald to let find out." But I told you that five years ago for the record. I'm like, "No, you did." <laughs> yeah, we never listen uh, to our spouses. We no, should. We don't. It's funny that you said that, and it's really powerful because I was just at a at a kind of a mastermind event, and there was a pretty well known comedian, influencer, actress, musician, all those things, mm-hmm. and she said kind of what you just said. She said, "You know, how do you guys like? How do you guys? What are your like core values, and how do you how do you talk to people mm-hmm. uh, on this social media world, right?" And she says, "I have a phrase that I say." When I'm talking to it's and it's uniquely mine, and she's like, "What, what is, is it? it?" Everybody knew what it was, and she said the same thing you said. Stop saying "What's up, guys?" Everybody says that. It's annoying. <laughs> it's like annoying. A, it's, it's, it's it's old from like the YouTube days when people were yeah. first making YouTube videos. Yeah, and people are just probably and I love what you said because it's subconscious. We're subconsciously just tuning it out. And yeah. you, and and the audience probably doesn't even know if they were to go back and say, "Hey, how come you didn't tune into Joel's podcast?" or "What was the first three seconds like in Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink talking about like those first three yeah. to five seconds like yeah. what was happening?" They may not even be able to describe it, but subconsciously, it's what you're saying. It's those words like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" It's like, "I'm I'm already out. I'm I'm checked out." So, really, really powerful. I love that you said that. You so, know, what are you, you gonna say? I don't know. I, I, you know what? I can't I, wait. I'm going to be tuning. I know, man. <laughs> you can audition. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. I, hey, dude. Uh, I, I like what you said, though, really is just just, uh, just saying hello. Just saying like, like, like hey. Like, you, it doesn't have to be anything. It could just be, hey, like we're, this, is what, this is what we're going to talk about today, and this is what I'm excited about, and this is I, why I, like, I think the, the story is. I like telling – Anybody on camera to think about one person, talk to one person, because then I feel like I'm the one you're talking to. It, it's such a simple concept, but then, then your your presentation changes. Your I love your energy. You got great energy, like you said, and you want to keep that. But we're it's just you and I talking right now, uh, and your energy's up. So imagine if you're talking to camera, same thing. You're talking to one person, but that it just deepens the conversation when you think about one person. And it makes it more it feels more intimate right away because you're you're speaking differently. You're not just it's not a vacuum. Yeah. And so you you can start off with today I want to get something off my chest. 
Uh, it has to do with how I'm feeling about turning 40. It's, uh, it's a big one. Uh, today's guest is Mason Bendewald. He was, you know, and it could, that, that could be a, a thread or a through line that, you know, when you really get good at it, you're taking a personal story with a guest or with the workout and they connect. And that's, uh, I, would, I was just watching, I don't know what it was. It was like some documentary or something about, it was about Seinfeld and how one of the things was so brilliant about the show is that they would take three or four different storylines and they would all weave together towards the end. And every single episode does so it. well done. And you, you kind of just take it for granted because you're like, oh, it's entertaining, it's fun, and I'm not, a, I'm not breaking down scripts. I'm just here to be – but I was like, yeah, that's true. It's amazing how the most obscure things could tie in together. And it's not that hard to do on basic levels. So the idea of turning 40, feeling mortal – thinking about your body as a vessel and how important it is to keep it in shape, but it changes every decade. I mean, it can be the talking about where you're at in life resonates with people all the time. Having children, you know, it's like you're, it's okay if some people don't have children that, but, but a lot of people do. Um, I'm an empty nester now. If I talk about being an empty nester, there's a lot of people who go, mm-hmm, yep, I know what it's like to go through that. Like there's so many universal truths that when you're talking and sharing, you pull people in because humans connect on stories. We, uh, it, It's some crazy number like 70, like 65 or 70% of, the, of how we communicate is through stories. So – Sure, you get some information that's just data or um, clinical, but most of it is a story. You're, we're, we're telling stories. We're sharing right now. I'm not just saying make sure you look at the camera, make sure you do this. Make, like We're sharing ideas and thoughts and emotion, and that's what people connect on. You know, it's funny, and I remember hearing this a long time ago, what you're talking about stories – that we connected on a deep, deep level because why? When you look at our just the way we were, uh, maybe our evolution, stories were is how we pass things down. And so mm. tribes and people they would tell stories, and it, there was no documentation at the time. So how did how did that information you know get passed along? Well, it's through stories, and I think that's why at a deep rooted level, like you said, we are story. You know, human beings. So before very, before we very, could even communicate with uh, language, we were doing cave paintings to tell the story of the hunt, to tell the story of the tribe, as you're saying. And it's how we connect. And so, just getting back to our audience, fitness. If you really want to connect with your audience, you need to tell stories. You can't just yeah. say engage your core. 10 more, feel the burn. Stop. <laughs> Stop the madness. <laughs> okay, but quick question on that because I think you're right. But yeah. how do we tell a story when right now, if you look at the algorithms and stuff, you've yeah. got three seconds to stop the scroll. You've got – and then the, you know they're pushing videos that are like 15 seconds long. Like I can't tell a story in 15 seconds or can I? Well, you're, you're, you're talking, first of all, uh, that's what TikTok is. I mean, TikTok and reels, I mean, they're stories. They're, uh, you know, they might be stories through P 
picture and music, but they're still stories. And, but we're not, but I mean, the audience that I talk to, trainers, are not influencers. I'm talking about true trainers that are trying to help people change their lives. And I think the best way, so they do have the time because they're not, they're not doing 15 second workouts. Those aren't workouts. Those are clickbait. Right. That's the one you were talking about. If yeah. you're doing, you know, but you can do as short as a 10 minute or a 15 minute workout. And there is time. There is plenty of time there. And the way you help change lives is through storytelling. It, 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 it's what moves the needle. It's the emotional yeah. factor to it. And by the way, anybody who's resistant going like, oh, I've, I've gotten plenty of people in shape or that's uncomfortable to me or whatever, great. You just have so much more competition. If there's only one Joel, there's only one Mason, if I was a trainer and I told you I was sharing my stories along the way, there is some really interesting stuff in there. And there's an endless amount of unique stuff to my story, to my life that I can share and impart and entertain with. Same with you. Same with everybody. Um, but as soon as you start doing what everybody else does, now you're, I just call it vanilla. You know, you're like in this yeah. generic pool of free content. Why would I pay for it when I just go over here? You can start getting people to really be fans and followers and believe in your system and your way and all that if you are imparting things that nobody else has, which is how, how you live your life, your story, your lessons. That's where we connect. Yeah, so powerful. I know I'm looking at the top of the hour and we're almost running out of time. Um, Whew, that went curious. by fast. I went back fast through the stories, the power of story, man. I feel like we didn't even get to that much. Uh, is there anybody that's doing it? And you mentioned some of the people you've worked with, but yeah. anybody that's doing it really well? We talked about what's what's wrong and what's what you should be doing. Who's doing it well? Um, you know, I will say, okay, and this is a, this is true. Although they've gone through a lot of challenges, is I fit. I did a bunch of work for Nordic Track and I fit. Uh, few years back they've gone through some big shifts right now but and i don't take any credit for this but i do take my hat off to them they went on destination destination their destination content is phenomenal and what what they did was they hired uh, so i i hiked on on my nordic track with which is uh, which articulates like the it goes up and down based on the terrain that's being covered, and we're just going to give this example. They did a series hiking to base camp of Mount Everest. Wow! Right away, just first of all, that's like incredible. And they I brought along this. like I'm I'm like let, let's put it in my house right now. Let's go. They brought along. They hired not a trainer, but three of the world's. Um, best Everest hikers, and they're different ages. One of the one of the guys I can remember his name is Kenton Cool. He's like summited. He's got he's got all these records. Kenton Cool, and I think I think and they were all they were actually all the three trainers were fantastic, and they would trade off. And this was like the series lasted I don't know it was like thirty days or something crazy, you know, because I'd only hike for like an hour a day whereas somebody else would be hiking 10. So it lasted quite a while. The combination. So, so what a normal trainer would do, if you didn't give them any direction, 
is they'd talk about hiking and your body mechanics and you know they'd kind of bore you to tears with just physical not physical stuff well these weren't trainers these were professional hikers and they did this incredible combination of talking about the history of climbing the history of mount everest their own personal stories and the landscape and it was it was like a master class in I feel like I've I've hiked Mount Everest. Um in that if I never make it there on my own, I'm like, yeah, I really got a taste and a feel probably more than your average hiker would because they're so worried about the physicalness of it and their equipment and their oxygen and everything else. I was just there like the exercise was a byproduct. I went in every day and I was entertained and I was sweating at the end, and then I went and had my smoothie in my shorts in Southern California and didn't have to worry about any of the trappings of the danger of Mount Everest, and I got all of this incredible entertainment and education doing it. So that is somebody who's done it really, really well, and not that everybody's doing a destination type, but that's my point. They did something completely different and and knocked it out of the park. That's awesome. That's a great example. I love that. Very yeah. cool. I want to jump into some lightning round questions, and then we'll wrap it up, and we'll we'll finish where where people can find you and connect. Fire with away. More about what the work you're doing. Uh, I'm curious, man. Actually, before I do that, was there anything I didn't? I mean, there's so much, but was there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I had? Oh gosh, ask me. No, I'm. You know, I'm an open book. I love this stuff. You know, you'll have me back if uh, we want to. Go deeper. Absolutely. How about that? Absolutely. This was cool. Okay, I'm curious. What are what are some choices that you think, or maybe a choice that you made that you think made you who you are today? Hmm. Uh, it it's always it's always daring. It's it's always daring. It's like it's like not being afraid. Okay, here here's how I'd sum it up: not being afraid to fail. You know, you've heard that phrase. It's like, imagine if, if you weren't afraid of failing, what would you do? I have to constantly remind myself of that. I have failed so many times. And I'm one of those guys, I'm lucky that I just pick myself up and move forward. I, I it, Sometimes it hurts and sometimes that, that scar lasts, but I just keep on re-educating raising the bar, excited to do something differently. You've, that's it. So it, it, it's being okay with failing and learning from your failures. It's just, it is a part of life and it's how, how you grow and it's really what makes you, it's easy to look at somebody after they've been doing something for 20 or 30 years and go, what a success. How lucky was that person? P90X was not a success at the beginning. I mean, I just did the job and kind of moved on. And then I had to stop and realize, wow, this thing's doing great. How do I capitalize on it, um, learn from it, and like exploit that? But there's there's a million failures leading up to that and after. Uh, and so that that's a that's a big lesson. Yeah, being okay so with good. failing. Yeah, so so good. I can uh, you know just. Even for myself, I, I left the nine to five job just about a year ago and went all into my coaching business and podcasts. And I had been doing it on the side for three years. Terrifying, so 
But going all in, man, going all in is a is a different beast. And, and like you said, I failed many times and continue to fail. But those are where my moments of growth come from. So where, how scary was it to give up the nine to five? Very scary. I mean, you got two kids. Ter- it's terrifying. Ter- terrifying. You know, I'm yeah. giving up uh, medical benefits and a pension and all this good stuff. And anybody would tell you, "What? That's you're crazy to do that. Why would you do that?" So. But you know, you uh, the, the real the real question is the real question is, well, I I, I love pointing this out because as Americans we're like we're like so conditioned that you have to make this fortune. Um, are you making more money than you made at your nine to five? Yes or no? I'm making about the same, maybe maybe a little bit less, but that was also because we had um, a lot of overtime and stuff that we could we could. Take and, now, and it's only a so. year, so that's amazing. But now the big thing yeah. is, are you happier? <laughs> yeah, that's that's an easy one. I can tell you without without. I mean, and it's just you know what's you know what's interesting also is my I have all these projects that I want to do that creativity of like being able to do more that I would have never probably even been able to jump into or do. Had I been stuck there because I didn't have the capacity to even think that way. And so now my creative juices, I just told you I have a book coming out in the top of next year. And I have uh, actually I just connected. This is crazy too. I haven't told a lot of people this. I just I had this idea about a children's book for a while now. And I reached out to a, a pretty well-known illustrator and he was telling – and I'm like, you know, hey, do you think this is a good idea? I mean uh-huh. I, I, uh, what do I know? Like of course my idea – you always think your ideas are the greatest or decent. But I'm not in that industry. And he's like, Joel, this is a great idea. Like, let's let, – I, I would be – I'd love to. And he's the kind of guy – like, he's the, the exact illustrator that I wanted, that I would want for this type of book. And uh, he was like, this is amazing. Like, let's do it. We're, you're going to – this is going to be really, really special. That moment would never happen if I stayed in the 9 to 5. So you're, so you're pursuing more fun ventures. You're not even making it as much as you were 9 to 5. And yet you're happier and more fulfilled and have more time. That's amazing. And and so many people are afraid to take that leap, but look at where it's brought you. And so that's, again, yeah. uh, not being afraid to fail and going for it. Congratulations. That's uh, To answer that question, if we haven't illustrated it clearly enough, there you go. Yeah. Thanks, brother. I'm curious for you, obviously you are doing so many amazing things, I think anyways, in the health and wellness Thank world. Thank you. Who, who inspires you? Uh, that's a great question. I'm, you know, I'm always looking personally, I'm always looking for mentors and other people that I can learn from. I'm, I'm actually going back for a master's degree in film. I actually haven't shared this with anybody yet. I've but just committed to it. Something I've always wanted to do. And so that, that appetite for education, higher learning, um, bettering myself. Uh, I, I'm really looking for a group of mentors to be able to do that and colleagues to just expand my network. Uh, today, if I had to, you know, you're talking, you're talking about anybody or specifically like in the world of fitness. It doesn't have to be fitness. I mean, I, I always ask typically you know, we're talking about in the genre of health and wellness, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you have such an eclectic career in, in, in film and other things. I mean, it, it, it could be anybody at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I find, I find inspiration and people I admire in, in anybody who's thinking outside the box and anybody, and anybody who's really willing to help others without, 
looking for credit or compensation. That's a big lesson for me. And so I, I find those in all walks of life. I have some real estate mentors that I work with and learn from all the time. I'm very humble about that. I have a a creative production designer friend who just threw just an unbelievably inspired Halloween party uh, at my house of all things. I let him do it. And it it kind of mind-blowing when you have different people like this in your life that are just inspirational, raising the bar, and uh, doing things that other people can't do. And that's who I like surrounding myself with. I don't, I don't like surrounding myself with minions or people that are like carrying. I, I like people who are uh, well beyond my level of understanding of something uh, great because that inspires me to continue to be great at what I do. Yeah, love that. I I'm a big reader. If you can't tell, uh, are there any are there any books or y- anything that just stood out for you, or was there like a top one to three books that just had a huge impact on your life that you'd recommend other people read? Shameless plug: My wife's a writer and uh, an amazing writer, and she has uh, a trilogy out. And the first book is called Stealing Venice, and it's it's amazing. It's a it's a, like a crime thriller set in Venice, Italy, and it's. Uh, she, I'm I'm so proud of her. It's without a doubt. I this might be the first time I've said it on 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 any kind of channel that her series will be made into an an Amazon or a Hulu or an HBO at some point, without a doubt. So it's. It, I, that's another level that I don't have. I look at her, I'll read her manuscripts and I'm just like, how the hell did you do that? Like I'm, she's so much smarter than I am. And I love, I love that I married up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to support, I'm going to go get the book. I love, I love like those kind of books. And Italy is one of my favorite. I mean, I just think about like the Da Vinci code and using those, those areas and yes. I love. It. I have a very a huge affinity to Italy, and I studied there for three months in college. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah. So oh, you love it. I I'm gonna. Yeah, this is gonna be enjoyable. I, I, I've been I like so to... instaunched with um, nonfiction because I'm just constantly learning about yeah. growth, personal development, and nutrition. That I really took a backseat to to fiction. So this is gonna be fun. Oh, this is escapism at its best. I like I like to plug our books. as I call it the Fifty Shades of Da Vinci Code. Awesome. I can't wait. Okay, this is going to be great. Any Okay, last two questions. We'll wrap it up. Any yeah. rituals or hacks or practices that you kind of do on a regular basis? Some people talk about um, gratitude journaling. What do you do? I, I Yeah, it's a great, great question. And one of the biggest ones, I probably started doing it four or five years ago. I was at the the peak of my career and making tons of money and everything I ever dreamed of was happening. Uh, I was unhappy. It's like that's that's all I can explain, and I would and I sit there and go, why why am I unhappy? I don't understand this, and we can only do so much as humans. You know, you might think, oh, I can always do more. No, you can't. Our we need a lot of sleep. We do. Science, if you believe in that, uh, science says your brain needs sleep, your cells need sleep, all of it, so that you can perform at your highest level. So, better prioritizing sleep was a huge one for me. But probably the biggest hack, and you can see almost every Fortune 500 CEO does it, lots of huge people, meditating. And it can be short meditating. It can be like really intense meditating. But um, 
that is part of when I'm at my best, it's at my, it's on a daily. Uh, when I'm at my worst, I still do it every once in a while. It's how I get to sleep at night. And it, it, it was a huge game changer for my happiness and just making my life more fulfilled and more opportunities came because of it. That's a big one. And then I'm just curious, is there a specific type of meditation? There's like headspace and there's Vedic meditation. Is there one that you gravitate to? Uh, I, I went deep. I studied transcendental meditation and that was, uh, God, I was so busy. I was like, I couldn't even, you had to go in for like several half day sessions and it, it was like, I don't even know if I can do this, like commit to that. I was so busy. And as soon as I did, uh, again, a game changer and you had to meditate, you were committing to meditating twice a day for 20 minutes. So 40 minutes out of my day, of which I was getting limited sleep already. I could not calm my brain down. And it was the best thing I ever did. And now um, I rarely meditate for 40 minutes a day. I'll maybe do two 10-minute sessions. And I'll often use a headspace. Um, the, there's also a new app that I love using. There's one called Insight Timer. And there's guided meditations. But for the most part, once you learn how to do it, it's as simple as sitting down, turning on a timer, closing your eyes, and focusing in on your breathing. Um, it mm. does, but but Headspace or Insight Timer—they're great coaches to get you into meditating. But once you know how to do it, you can do it anywhere, anytime. Yeah, love love that great advice. Yeah. Last but not least, Mason, where can people find you and connect with you and learn more about all the great work you get you're doing? Well, if you're hanging out in Los Angeles. We'll go have coffee. Otherwise, uh, go to megamace.com. That's M-E-G-A-M-A-C-E.com. You can reach out there uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Mason Benderwald. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, Joel. It was a pleasure. 